Welcome to the Ready Eddy Podcast, where we tell the story of startups in the outdoor sport industry through the voice of their founders. What is going on, guys? Josh Salvo here. Before we get into today's podcast episode, I wanted to uh, speak a little bit about our membership program that we created a little over six months ago at this point. Uh, if you're not familiar, what we did is we built this platform that gives members discounts of up to 50% off 90 plus startups. Many of these startups are the brands that we interview on this podcast. Um, So the reason we created the platform is really to help uh, outdoor enthusiasts discover new innovative startups really related to their favorite outdoor activities, whether it's skiing, climbing, hiking, camping, whatever, really, um, and be able to get a discount on them. So basically, in addition to that, you can also apply to become an ambassador for for these brands um, all from one location. You can do it basically with a click of a button. makes it super simple. Uh, we'll also showcase a lot of the new products that these brands are working on. Uh, you can get access to demo and trade show deals up to 60% off all of their stuff at the end of the season. Um, and lastly, we have a private Facebook group for everyone who participates uh, to get to know us and each other on a more personal level and really help us um, build the future for really the outdoor space and showcase new innovative brands. So if you want to check it out, head over to readyyeti.com slash members and uh, you can get your first month free. What is going on Ready Yeti Podcast listeners? Josh Salvo here, your host. And on today's episode, I am sitting down with the founder of 686 Technical Apparel, Mike West. Mike, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me. Thanks for uh, having me. Um, Appreciate it. I'm stoked to kind of tell you kind of what we do here. Yeah, definitely. And obviously for the listener, we're... um, we typically focus on uh, startups and smaller businesses in the outdoor space, but um, 686 really just has such a, an interesting story, um, really following you personally and the fact that you're one of the few uh, technical apparel brands, bigger brands, that are still privately owned, right? Yes, we are. It's um, kind of just the way we've kind of wanted to do it, and, you know, just uh, it's been a good ride so far. Definitely. So... I'd love to start off really from the beginning. How did you go from growing up in LA to uh, starting Six Eight Six? You know, like it's a question we get asked a lot, but I think more is like none of the stuff was planned. You know, we we you know growing up in LA is probably the furthest from kind of I don't want to say the outdoor kind of industry. I just was I came up as a kind of a sponsored street skate skater in the beach area and was in the progressive street scene just like you know it's just just doing my thing here and kind of like one day i'm like wow like you know i want to i want to i heard about this thing on the snow and this is like in the mid 80s and just uh kind of just go wow you can do things on the you know on the snow and went up there and just tried it tried it for myself and kind of fell into it and just you know lived it from that aspect so it was really heavily skate influenced um in in the mid 80s for me um, and then I just ended up working at a local resort, um, Big Bear, Bear Mountain, and uh, ended up being instructor. And then kind of like that kind of helped guide in my, you know, just my passion about just really being in, in this sport. This sport. Like for, for me, it, was, it wasn't really a sport. It was like more of a lifestyle, what I just love to do. And I didn't think about running a business or starting anything at when I was just doing it at that point in time. Yeah. So you were, you were in your early 20s at this point? Uh, no, I was in my well. So I was when I started snowboarding. I was I was in my teens, you know. Um, 
then I actually so started probably in mid eighties, and then um, I went to college, and I'm like, okay, so I should go to school, and um, uh, I was in this business program at um, you know at USC, and then they and I remember my instructor, my professor goes, you know what, you can actually go into do a career and actually enjoy it, and not <laughs> not not have work and a job. You can actually call it was one I was like holy crap like <laughs> as a kid like you can do both and you can enjoy it you don't have to like because you know you picture your, your parents about like well I go work and I do home I'm like wow you can so I go well what and he goes what do you want to do I'm like well I love snowboarding and I just want to why don't I create a business out of that and so they go well to create a business you have to create a business plan and that was um that was like okay so and that was part of the kind of the project that is my my, my senior year at USC like you have to get a business plan and basically you know from cash flows to you know financial forecast to marketing it enabled me to go well put it down on paper so it was it started off as a class project more or less that's awesome to be able to have a teacher like that that can influence you so much and make you realize like hey <laughs> you can have a job that doesn't suck <laughs> exactly that's what it came down to and then you know, like, so working in the mountains on the weekends um, and then coming and going to school and I was like, well, this is, this is awesome. Not, not having an idea, this is what I want to do the rest of my life, but putting two together and, and, and tried it, started with the business plan first. And then, then, you know, I go, well, then you got to start doing things and making things. And I, and I go, well, let me, let me go try it out. And, you know, being from Los Angeles, one of the benefits of, is you have a big garment industry, especially back in the early nineties. So I go, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out. And so I actually got, I got some hats and some beanies and t-shirts, which most people did. But even back then it was like, kind of like, well, what do I do? Where do I go get it? Found an embroiderer. And, you know, during school, the, the, the professor had actually these people come in and give his guest speaking. So it's like, everyone told it from their own perspective and you know there weren't any podcasts back then so it's pretty similar like startups like hey here's how i did it and i remember this one speaker goes well you know it's all about relationships and suppliers and to this day you know uh, i still use the same supplier network and you can just go downtown la i'm like oh wow downtown la it's right down the street so let me go do it and that's how it kind of started from that you know practical perspective that's so interesting so you really didn't have much of a, a background in um, apparel making or, or really product design or anything like that? I, I have no background in any design or in any product. Um, I, and honestly, I was an average student at best. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it was, it's like, I, I was not, not really, you know, and then I went to uh, high school as average and then I went to college, like, I'm just going to just concentrate. But, you know, like back then, there's, there's not much to compare to. Like, you know, as it wasn't entitled. as this kind of like, okay, I'm going through school to please my parents, and then I'm going to find a job that I use my degree with. So, um, but really, I think the whole aspect of being outdoors and being in the mountains and really having that interaction with people really changed my life and seeing the passion of what we're about, uh, what we're doing, and really combining the two, that's where it just clicked for me. Yeah, I totally get that. So in 1992, you start uh, 686, and it originally started a little bit different than it is now, right? You were focused more on jeans and sort of um, more lifestyle product. Is that correct? Yeah, it was, it was more like, you know, I, I knew I wanted to make, so back back then, it's like, you know, snowboarding in particular, it was kind of like really influenced from like, <laughs> 
just not the most technical kind of stuff, like big baggy jeans, sweatshirt, you know, and just no backs, just lo- just crappy gear. So I was like, oh, wow. it's like that's what I wear. And Big Bear, it's only you know, it only goes to like X amount, and it doesn't really you know snow that much. And this is the more, this is what I want to look like when I was when I skate, right? So I was like, okay, I'm going to emulate that. I got those things, and you know, and started like kind of distributing it at my fraternity, and then. Then one day that you know the the speaker came um, and he's like, hey, I started a shop called Wave Rave in Mammoth. I'm like, whoa, Wave Rave. I've heard like I've heard of that. And they were actually a, a clothing company back and and then, but they had a store in Mammoth. And the the guy Steve Klassen, he was he was the founder there, and he's just big mountain type of dude and like wow this is great and he's like wow like oh, I, I started a brand not knowing really <laughs> what that was and here's what it is and he was like cool just uh you know send me send me a line sheet and catalog and then uh, let me let me look at it i'm like great and and so i i went to kinko's copied it and had my collection of just you know a t-shirt hat and a beanie and 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 my next step was like making a pair of jeans you know um that's all i had yeah, it's so funny how like it, it sort of almost falls in your lap. But you you mentioned it earlier. You're saying like relationships are key, and that right there is like a clear indicator of how important it is to network. Most definitely, most definitely. And it's it's one of those things like I, I wasn't, and I'm still probably not the best networker, and I'm just more. I was very shy, so um, you know. But creating relationships doesn't you don't have to you know. It's it, you can create it your own way, right? Yeah, you're right. There's no one way to do it. Um, so, so all right. So you got things rolling. You you um, you're starting to develop relationships uh, in in the space. Uh, then what happened? What what was next? Well, I think you know, the first year it's kind of like, well, let me just put some stuff on. You know, I created a name. I went to the, to the school library, created a name, look for like you know how do I register this thing, and then you know I created a mark and drew it down, find the embroidery, put it on the product. So it was more like getting existing product, putting a logo on it, giving it to your friends and people like it and going to the mountains, people like it. Then, you know, I, I took a trip to, um, I think I, tri- I took a trip to um, um, to Banff, <laughs> like uh, year two. And I'm like, wow, it's a different kind of scene up here. It's really cold. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's not, it is. <laughs> yeah, it's not SoCal. So I'm like, wow, this is pretty crazy. And um, I'm like, and I was wearing, you know, back then you had the, the crappy gear you know Sorrell's with duct tape and I brought my sweatpants and my, my shells because I only made it like a shell um, here so I'm like well I'm sorry I didn't even make shells I, I made my jeans so I'm like I go well I'm going to make a, a pant that you can actually you know m- you know have a shell and then put sweatpants underneath and I went to somewhere local and I got some sweatpants and I got some velcro and I put it here and that was my first pair of pants uh, snow pants and um, I didn't even know where to get the fabric, the shell fabric, and so I looked it up, I think in the Yellow Pages or somewhere, and I go, no, no, I went to downtown LA, and I went to this place called Michael Levine's, it's like this fabric store, and I was trying to look for like fabrics like off the shelf, and then I, I saw some something about this one shell that was made in Oregon, so it was actually, it's, it's from Rose, Rose City Mills, and then, so I actually contacted my phone and then ordered fabric and then got all my fabrics here, fleece and everything like that from here. And then I, I got a, it's like one of those patterns, you know, like, whoa, this is what you do. So I got a pattern and I, and I looked at one of those like home, like they're already pre-made patterns that are in packets and I actually got it and I adjusted it and sewed it together myself, not knowing what to do. And that was my first kind of pant, which is the Smarty Pant, which we're, which we have today. 
That's so awesome. Hearing that story pre-internet, <laughs> it's Tough. like it, I couldn't imagine doing it. I really couldn't. Like the whole, I feel like it's hard enough as it is having all the resources that are at your disposal, just typing into Google or whatever. Um, it's it was a different time. That's for damn sure. Um, yeah, the cool thing about that is you didn't have anything compared to. So you know, like not not being very understanding, not knowing what to do. I didn't know if I was doing it right or wrong, so I didn't like. Oh, this sucks. It's like you just do it, you know. Yeah. No. Exactly. So, all right. So you, you're developing your 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 first products, and um, how did you start growing? Who? How did you get the word out there? And how how did um, how did the momentum really start going? Well, <laughs> the momentum took uh, quite a bit of time, but I, I think you know when you're kind of I tell people this is like <laughs> I had a lot of like. Didn't have an ego. Didn't I had a lot of humility in terms of like, well, am I doing this right or wrong? And I just kind of like felt it because you know when you're in when you're the customer yourself, you kind of just you know. And this is just it was exciting just to do something that you love doing, right? The, um, so it, it took a while. So we started in '92, you know, and I think '93, '94, we started kind of making quote unquote cut and sew. So what I did is I got the fabrics. I found places in LA to start making it. We actually had one of the, the our inaugural pieces with this oversized fleece hoodie, pullover hoodie with this plaid lining inside. And, you know, you, so you have your product line. You went to Kinko's. You got your stuff. You have your jeans. You have your beanies. I made my cut and sew. Um, and actually, I have, still have all that stuff. It's, it's pretty funny. And then you go, well, where, where do I sell it, right? So, you know, talking to great people by chance of, you know, mammoth to someone local here. So that's the extent that we had it. And... It, it so it kind of you know when, when when it first sold out you're like wow someone actually bought it and they they don't know me you know right. that was like kind right. of a trip right um, so really from ninety two to like ninety six that was kind of like refinement we're just trying to figure things out right getting catalog getting a better catalog and then find out there was a, a trade show in Las Vegas that you can actually go to sell to stores right. Um, so, you know, I don't have to go to the store that you can go to the show and you can have a booth and people will represent you and, um, they'll sell to the stores. Right. And that was kind of like, I think in 95, that's when I realized what, what you do. Right. Um, so I guess that's the first start of actually legitimizing ourselves. Like we have a brand, we have a place to sell to, we have a rep, which are all my friends and, um, we know there's other brands out there. That's so, it's amazing. Now, during this part of of, uh, of six eight six, were you um, still ski instructing? Like, what were you doing to pay the bills? Yeah, absolutely. Because you know, it's a, I was working. I mean, we we didn't we didn't come from 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 money. Even though we went to US, I went to USC. I was uh, I, I got a loan for all that stuff, and um, it was uh, I was working in the mountains for till, till like ninety, probably ninety seven, ninety eight. Um, so how I uh, I mean, financing thing is was really crazy because so how it worked back then obviously it's all different but um we i worked i grew my business off um back then as japan was like that was the thing that was going on like oh snowboarding was really big it started growing that growth phase the japanese wanted to go well wow i'm gonna go to a u.s brand so they went to the trade show and they see um they see us and they will buy your product out of a catalog and they'll actually give you 50 percent of the deposit down before you, you ship them, right? So it's like, wow! It's like, wow! So they saw them online, and they ordered it, and, and they gave me a hundred thousand dollar order, my first trade show, and I'm like, 
I'm like, oh, that's oh, shit in the pants. <laughs> like, and there, and there, here's fifty thousand dollars, and I'm like, wow. The pressure is real. It was, <laughs> it was, it was crazy. I'm like, and then, so it was this kind of like gold rush time of like the mid '90s to the late '90s, and a lot of people. That's that's how when you know when when you go to the trade show, it was kind of like there's like three hundred brands there, and everyone's kind of it's going bonkers because the sport was growing. A lot of Japanese were, were coming here to buy stuff, and um, so that's how I grew my business. They gave me fifty percent. I was able to make my product and then fulfill my product. Where a lot of people, they just took the money and run, and they didn't fulfill it. Right. Um, so that's 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 really how we kind of made our way into it. But uh, no, knowing what happens when things are too good, and I just know this is things are going to turn the other way. So I didn't want to become big in Japan. <laughs> I wanted to become big where where we are here so we really utilize that time to kind of invest in people and process and you know and the the reps and the shows here while a lot of others just worked somewhere else because it was easy money definitely okay so that, that's getting you through the the 90s and then from the 2000s to today what what does that picture look like so up until the '90s was it was the heydays, it was the Wild West, right? And right. we we were, we we actually went from LA manufacturing to I went to Mexico once because I'm like, wow, this is this is really difficult to make technical product here. Um, and then I went there, and it was, it was a, and so I ordered actually, you know, when when you make products like I ordered everything from fabrics, trims, everything else. I work with the pattern maker. It's just and it's just a lot of risk. So we did that over over in Mexico, and um, because they had more skilled labor than actually what we had here and then that didn't work as well and then we go wow and then basically this one guy showed up on my doorstep in downtown LA and he goes hey I heard about you guys would you guys like to make gloves so he was this this, this guy from Taiwan and he goes oh it's like a, all you need to do is basically give me the designs and I'll make it for you and you just pay me when, when it's ready I'm like wow so that was like in gosh in the mid 97 maybe 96 and um it was, and then we, so we, we the biggest transition was we started producing overseas, where really the bulk of the business, and that's where it was, and so that enabled us to kind of scale to the point where ninety nine two thousand was the turning point for us to go, wow, this is, we weren't making money, meaning we are small, and we are investing everything in terms of just getting our. our, our Things set up in '99. I think we first turned a profit. So '92 to '99, I was literally delivering on like top ramen and you know everything that you do as a student. You know all the way to '99, and, and and it was difficult because one, you know, you have this expectation to go to school and then get a job, and all my other friends are you know kind of you know going to become professionals, and I'm still trying to pedal kind of snow shit and working at the mountains, right? So that really changed it where. Uh, in 99 the market dropped so japan it just dropped it just it just went dry the the whole market changed so when when all our competitors went away most of the competitors went away and people that are really talented that just went away we continued because we 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 had a steady firm on our customer we had good product um we knew our, our base was here and so the 2009 2000 that's when we started kind of rising that's interesting. Yeah, it's you going eight years where you, it was a struggle, like going eight years until you really get into that point where you're in the green. It's um, well, I, you it really you need two things. You need uh, 
a wherewithal and just really a passion for what you're working on. And obviously you have that. Because <laughs> uh, yeah. I feel like a lot of people would be like, you're crazy <laughs> for doing that. But yeah, I yeah. If, if someone would have told you that, like, dude, no, thank you. But, like, you know, you're, it's just, like, you exactly said that. It's just like, you know, you're in it for the right reasons. And it's, it's, and it's like we just keep wanting to create and do things. Um, but, you know, that's why to do what we did then, you can't do that now. It's a different time and place, right? Yeah, no, you're, you're very, very right. Now, okay, so 2000 is really the turning point. So from that first uh, year in 1992 to now, 25 years later, well, what, what does the growth and the success look like uh, at 686? Um, and look like in terms of just like, you know, like, I mean, like we, we've been, we've been, we're, 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 we've been doing our thing for a while and I think that you know every every day is fun everything's different you know like we, we've gone through our, our struggles just like most anyone else you know and it's it's weird when people say oh, we're the big guys where we don't look at that we, we, we the nowadays you, you, you have you, we everyone gets compared to the big guy right and and we get compared to people a hundred thousand times bigger than us you know um, but we, 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 what makes this I guess still quote-unquote relevant is i think it comes down to like like i said is is you know everyone here is it's it's they have to pull their weight they have to be into it they actually have to you know they have to supersede anyone else because it's such a like we 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 have to we have we have to deserve our place here there's nothing that we do here that because we've been around or who we that we that's going to make us be relevant we have to show it ourselves right um, and and I, I keep telling you, you, you got to come here like it's your first day in business. You really do, because even especially nowadays, it's it's even more relentless, right? So, but we differentiate ourselves by obviously not only living it, but you know we have to be different in the product offerings. We have to be really consistent in terms of how we deliver, you know. So our operational back back background has has really been really have been helpful because we've been able to. Always ship on time, consistently for I don't know how many decades. You know, um, good partners. We, you know, we've always had challenges in terms of extending credit. Just like you know, <laughs> it, it, because we just we just can't. We, we put away a lot of business because we just we can't be like everyone else. We have to be like us, right? So you know, it's it's been enjoying, but we have the challenges just like everyone else. Yeah, definitely. Now, I want to talk. go back a little bit and talk about um, manufacturing. And you, you mentioned this a little bit with the shifting around of production. Um, what, is it, what has it been like um, being in a business where it's so prevalent um, in the realm of the environment and really trying to make sure that you operate in uh, good practices, uh, focus on really trying to protect you know, what we have outside because obviously it's such a big part of your business, right, and the industry that you're in. Um, so how does that really tie into the operations and how do you make sure you keep that in, in the center um, of everything? Um, I mean, best business practices on obviously internally and externally is really key. You know, I'm, 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 my, my job is now, you know, uh, is, is not necessarily, I'm not, you know, I don't lead the day to day where, you know, one of my guys, he's been here for 20 years, he is now too. So I'm more, it's more product oriented, but we have, like I told you, like in 95, 96, we, that guy that showed up on the doorstep for our, our gloves, he's he's our main guy in, in Taiwan. So, you know, so all all the manufacturing, about 95% of our business goes to Taiwan first. And so when I say Taiwan, all the synthetic fabrics that we make, like nylons and polyesters, come from Taiwan. And then we have our factories all across the globe. 
but you know it's very important that we comply with the certain ways of you know if, besides the labor laws but just you know like the the fabrics and materials we use has to be you know has to be very conscious of what we're doing because it's it's interesting as you know the outdoor industry it's um you know it's 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 great but we it's one of the it's one of the things that you know as manufacturing this it's it's counterintuitive in terms of what's going on especially synthetic fabrics you know that you actually have to go through so many processes to make you know and it's really important that you know you have the responsibility of making sure you do the best business practices at the factory level too you know with wastage and the right right type of materials you make so it's 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 a full circle you have to kind of consider you're right you're definitely right and it's um it's a hard thing to grapple with as you grow, and and when you're when you're smaller, it's a lot more difficult to focus on because really you're just focused on survival. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so from the beginning, what would you say has been one of the hardest parts about starting and building six eight six? From from the beginning, I mean, we we had a we had a slow build. We never spiked and then kind of went down. We've always been building. And I think, you know, like, in, in today's day and age, it's it's quite difficult to have, like, for us, it was, I don't want to say it's simple, but we, we were very lucky because we, we by happened to make the right decisions, to invest in the right people, to, to, to start on a wave that was going up, that we enabled us to, to stand on our feet, but then it was going down, we had the right timing to make the right decisions, you know? So, you know, a lot of, when they start, you know, especially nowadays, the expectation is like, well... I need to do this <laughs> quick because everything around you is so damn quick, right? Right. You know? And I'm like, well, yes and no. And, and, and there's different philosophies like, you know, like invest, do everything, so you can quick and die quick or then move on. Or, hey, what's what's the long-term kind of a game plan for us? This is never about like get rich and die quick. It's more like, hey, you know, this is a lifestyle that we want to preserve for our, ourselves, our career, and really the people that are, believe in what we do—that's that, all it is. And it's not—that's not a—it's not, not a short time frame, you know. Um, and it kind of goes in the philosophy: it's just like, hey, well, we're doing it independently, not because, you know, is one, it's because we feel like we can do it the best today. And you know, there's other people that may—we've always worked with other people, but it's—it's—it it's, works for us right now. Not to say it's always going to be like that, but it's almost like. This is it's very important to kind of figure out what works best for you and and that's that's like the expectation for us has never been like we have to do that where I think that that's that's challenging today if, if people are gonna start like well I gotta make XYZ money I gotta do it in this time frame I gotta be better my, my this other thing it's like well what do you want like what what are you trying to get out of this thing and, and again is you don't have to start a company to get that you know I always recommend people like Learn from someone else, please do. You know, I, I wish I would have freaking done something a little differently too, and instead of just jumping in there, I maybe would have done it bigger, quicker. I don't know. You know? Yeah. No, you're right. Um, so, it, I want to ask you, it, it, in particular, to six eight six. How would you? What would you say is one of the biggest differentiators from, say, the North Faces or the Patagonias or the Burtons of the outdoor industry like how how do you differentiate yourselves from these other um uh, apparel uh technical apparel brands um well you know i, I can't speak on behalf of those guys because they're great brands and great companies it's just I, I think a few things we've never been 
we've never been uh, motivated to, to grow for the sake of growing, you know. I've always actually wanted to, because we've been, I consider a product first company, you know, and, um, you know, what the, the best things that have worked for us are completely opposite what works for those other guys. We have to introduce something that is so different that there's a reason why people come to you, right? Yeah, we do sell black pants, right? And that's probably going to be still, you know, the, the, the largest volume driver, but it's not what gets you there, you know, especially starting. It's not only starting as well as kind of being there relevant, you know, like every year we, yes, we have an ingrained customer, we have retailers, we have all the, but at the end of the day, they're not, you can't show them the damn same thing every year, you know, and, and that's what's so important that, that, that you have to be relevant and stay relevant and going, wow, you guys continually amaze me in product, you continually amaze me in service, and you guys are just good partners, you know, um, and that doesn't mean you need to have the biggest marketing budget or you need to have this. You need to be good partners. And even if you're going direct or you're going to the retailer themselves, you got you to gotta speak the language. You know, that is the most important part. And hopefully what we've done, because all those guys, I'm sure, do those things right, but you got to do it your own way, you know? Of course. Now, along this journey, what would you say have been some of your greatest fears and how do you manage them? Hmm. So many fears, I guess. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know. Think about. I, I've I've looked back as you know the, the, what you can't control, you just don't worry about, right? And um, you know, being seasonal, which I'm sure you talk a lot of outdoor brands, which affects the smallest, the largest. Is you know, I, I put that aside because I don't care what what the almanac says or what, what people think. It's more like I, I gotta operate what I have here with with if everything's going to crap, right? So really, how do you manage those fears? You know, like, like, I don't know. It's, a, it's, it's more like, I, I, I don't prioritize what's, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I, I prioritize basically what's going to enable us to be independent and succeed on those happening or not. Right. So, you know, and I talked earlier, it's like, well, it, it really comes down to people as much as like people and product, like you can't stress enough about how much, you do it with other great people and it's, it's a cliche but you know for me I felt like I can do everything because I learned everything but you just can't you can't and it works both ways when when you have someone that maybe is not so good or maybe is a cancer that's just as that's just as important to be feared for about because that they can run a lot of things too right um, so people are very important to manage in the way that that is going to enable you to get the, the right, you know, right, you know, objective and endpoint. Yeah, you know, it, it, when you start something like this, it's uh, I, I you just want to do everything because it's your baby, it's your vision, it's and you're you're trying to build it, and then bringing in other people. While it's a great thing, it's a scary thing at the same time because, like you said, you don't want to bring in someone who's toxic for what you're trying to build. Absolutely. Now, what advice um, would you give to someone that wanted to start a business in the outdoor space, or really just a business in general? You know, like, um, I think you have to dif- differentiate in terms of why you want to do it. And, you know, I think that, quote, unquote, entrepreneurs, they, they feel like they, you know, they because they put the time into it, because they did this, they did that, that people need to <laughs> need to accept it you know and, and i look at this as like you know like 
you, you, you can't you can't put yourself on any podium just because you did this you did that you know and the best thing to, to, to start somewhere is really learning from someone else you know um, and you know and and really looking at all their mistakes a lot of people don't want to show their mistakes you don't see mistakes you see successes you see people talking right I, I, I you have to figure out like <laughs> you know the smallest things I would have known you know it would help multiply those things so much more if, if you have some w- wisdom or mentorship from that. So, you know, I, I think it's very important to have someone that you can turn to, some experience that that has enabled you to get there. Um, and again, is just because you work somewhere doesn't mean that's, you know, that's the end game. Like, so many things in life takes you so many different directions. I would never ever have done this if I didn't get that job as an instructor in Big Bear, you know, I would have never probably learned, been able to start my own thing because my instructor told me that I can do two things together, right? So, you know, it's these different paths and lives that take you for different kind of <laughs> roads and paths, and by chance that you're able to make these stars align, it's great, you know. And I see a lot of people like, man, they're they they're much more intelligent than I, or they started something and, you know, they just it just didn't work for them. Why? Because something else didn't work, right? And it really, it's, 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 it's those key things. It's, it's timing and people. Those are the number one and number two things that are going to enable you to get anywhere is timing people. Yeah, I, I think uh, it's so true. Like a lot of people like to think that it's their own doing that really get them to the end result or that success. And really it's um, like you, you can't do it alone. <laughs> you need the support and um, uh uh, help from other people and, and you're right timing it literally is timing like it's got to be the right time to build what you're building and um like you said you could never do it now it it, it worked so well because it uh in the, in the 90s and early 2000s it was the opportunity was there for it yeah um, for sure now i, I want to ask you um about some of the mistakes that you've made along the way in the last 24 years what are are there any particular ones that really stick out to you as like really great learning experiences i think that there were so many things that we should have been forgiven back in the day you know meaning we we didn't have the best product you know out there and you know i've always like you know putting everything in one big basket like a, a manufacturer or something like that that's that you don't have all, it's a, that that almost took us down in the mid '90s, right? Um, so it, you know, all those things make you a lot more wiser, you know. Um, but I mean, we were we back then, you know, you're kind of expected to do a lot of things. Well, success formula is, you know, you have to have this advertising budget, this team, you have to have to do this to, to make it relevant. And you know, I we kind of followed that to some extent, but we were limited because we didn't can afford it. So I'm, I, I'm glad that that was something that a lot of people went with and they, they didn't, it didn't work for them. They, they failed because it was a model or formula that just wasn't sustainable. So I, 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 I you know, I, I encourage people like there are certain things you need to follow, right? <laughs> Create good business, hire people, you know, deliver on time, have a different, have a you know, viable concept, have a form of distribution, but you know, it, it's really like you, you know you can you can do things differently and 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 just just but get get the foundation right. You know, but 
you know, the failures, I'm just trying to think the failures that we had that were just scared the shit out of me, you know, it's, um, you know, so many, <laughs> a lot of that's product because we've had boats shipped, I mean, boats synced, you know, um, you know, it's, it's crazy. Like we used to like, you know, I, I remember that back in the day, it's like, you know, we didn't have like shipping insurance, right? Because like, it was too expensive, right? So, and then <laughs> right when we got shipping insurance, that our, the boat sank, and you know, almost took us took took it down. When you, when you don't have that, you know, you can't ship product, you know, to failures of like, you know, um, gosh, you know, like, you know, the catalog didn't make it in time. I mean, it's 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 those types of the things that that could have taken us out, but. You know, I would say, thankfully, we haven't had major failures to the extent that could do us because we just we aren't set up like that. We don't take these big risks, um, but we do take risks in terms of differentiating ourselves and going, hey, like when we started collaborating with other brands and artists and people, that was there was no intention like we're going to do this because this is going to be the best but thing. Is we just felt like we wanted to showcase who we are, personality, you know. So that that was, I guess, a risk that paid off, paid itself off. But that was just more like we're just kind of like we didn't want to be stuck in a box, rather, you know. Yeah, I get that completely. Now, what what does the day in a life look like today for you? Obviously, you're 25 years in. Um, you've built uh, a great company. You wor- work with a team of over 25 people, um, helping to grow and spread um, really the overall mission and. and uh, goals of 686 so are you full-time with with uh, in the design side do you work where are you dabbling in a few different things at this point like what, what does that look like for you yeah my, my day-to-day it used to be obviously you know we work with we have like four pillars of marketing sales operation finance and product you know I used to manage all that and until as of last year product you know future concepts working with new new talent here um, we have like what we do is it you, you really we plan concepts about two years ahead of time before it hits marketplace, which is a good and bad thing. Meaning good because it just takes that long and to, from testing engineering to getting things going on to to get getting there. But it's bad meaning it's just nowadays it you, you shouldn't have to plan that long or have things that long to market because people want things quicker to market. They compare whatever you do to what they see on their phone, right? So I challenge myself and everyone around here is like we have to keep progressing to the expectation of what what it's available instantaneously, right? So it's not only actually process and product, but it's, it's processes and actually ordering, delivering, you know, viewing. Um, so it's, you know, it's you, you, you got to kind of continually kind of one-up yourself just because if you don't do it, then someone else is going to do it for you and they'll take you out, right? So those are the things I look at is like, you know, like we have to be that much more ahead and even if it doesn't happen, we have to kind of, you know, strive to be there, but we'll strive to be there our own way, right? Um, so that that's kind of my day-to-day, and it's never kind of dull because I work on, you know, I work on every aspect of that and work with people and work with other brands, and it's it's fun. Like, we're about to launch one of our biggest, biggest product launches to date. Instead of offering, we used to tell a lot of different stories. Now we're going to tell the best stories and a few of them, so... I'm pretty psyched on that. You know, that's what just keeps us going. Yeah. Now you're alluding to this a little bit. I want to ask, uh, what's in store for the future? The next year, five years, ten years? If you've thought about it. 
Um, well, yeah, I think we what we want to do is we want to we definitely want to you know I have these grandiose ideas of like creating new categories, creating how people kind of perceive things and react to things, and uh, I think for us it's you know we've been around for this long, but still a lot of people have no idea who we are, you know, and it's a few things is outside maybe the winter environment or the, even the outdoor environment, you know, people are still kind of discovering us for the first time. So for us, that's, that's still kind of exciting, right? We've just launched this new, new, um, kind of, kind of like project called the multi-shell series. And it's basically, it's more, you know, off shoulder season stuff. It's not, um, so it's basically enabling our customer and our, and basically whoever likes our stuff is to use it in different parts than outside winter, you know, and traveling, different sport environments and you still have the same kind of storyline and same type of product experience that we have in, in winter. Those are fun things, right? And I, I like doing those things without being forced and actually having people react to that stuff because those are the areas that it's kind of foreign to us. We're not we're not the leaders in, you know, in that that realm. So I, I, I'm excited on those things because it's kind of new for us. But at the same time, I also know who we are and what we're about. And I don't want to get too far where people are like, what the hell? Why are you doing that stuff? So we give a little bit of that stuff, but I don't want to give a lot of that where just people are just like, it just confuses people. And, and we've learned from that because we've done a lot of what the fuck kind of, what's, you know, WTF type of stuff, you know? So it's, it's more like, you know, it kind of pushes us and people expect us to kind of come up with, you know, things different, but you know, it, 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 it's, we have a sense of curiosity. So I, I think that that's what keeps people excited. Yeah, it really, it's, um, it's ever, it's always evolving and you get to try new things and sometimes those things don't work (laughs) and sometimes they do. Um, and it's a fun journey. Um, so what's the best part about running six, eight, six, or just really have being a part of this, um, you know, like, uh, it's, uh, I, uh, you know, you can talk to me and you can zoom in and you can still tell that I have, I'm really stoked to just keep pushing things. And, and that's really the best part when we, we had, um, we have probably more, we've had, we have such a diverse group here, you know, we've had probably, you know, we probably almost had more women at one point in time than men. We had, you know, then, then we got more, then we got a lot of, then we had like, older crews now we're like really have this young new generational kind of people coming up with new ideas and not someone that's so jaded by what they did in the last job that that's really exciting for me you know um it really is because you know it, it, i can see the same things that we have especially if someone reacts to it and they go wow this is awesome and it just you just keep on going you know and and it's it's so exciting because it just gets you pumped up too you know uh, one thing you said is that what's the greatest i think the greatest fear I think I alluded in something I talked earlier is just letting people down. Um, you know, like we have such a expectation to kind of achieve certain things. Um, you know, when we don't do that and people get bummed out, that's 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 huge on us. You know, but it also goes to show just twenty five years in, you still you still care, <laughs> and I think that attributes to the fact that why you're still privately held and you didn't sell out to some bigger company. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Because like, there's still that drive. You still you your goal, like you said, is it wasn't to just build, have high growth, and then sell. Right. No. It was to really create this uh, this movement, this culture, and this positive impact in uh, the outdoor space, and really just um, uh, 
uh, creating this community, right? For sure. And um, yeah, no, I, I love I love the story. I've uh, I you know growing up as a kid, I never thought that like I'd have the opportunity to interview someone that uh, I purchased gear from <laughs> at a awesome. younger age. You know what I mean? Which is which is really cool. And I I appreciate you for everything that you've done for. Uh, the outdoor space, the outdoor industry, and and really progressing things um, in that realm. And for the listener that wants to keep tabs on everything that you're doing personally and and six eight six is doing, where's really the best place for them to do that? Um, you know, I think our Instagram is is the best, and then obviously our website. But the Instagram, I think, is 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 cool because it just you know we we open a lot to. To it, like we were a traditional snowboard company, and opening skiing was a big deal to a lot of people. It wasn't really a big deal to us, you know, because it's just kind of like it's it's what we do, you know. Um, so yeah, for sure. I, I actually one more thing is I had a, I, I had the longest time of actually, like I didn't want to be be that guy, meaning I'm the founder, but I didn't want to be put in the limelight because, you know, it's not who I am typically. But I realized basically. When people can identify to a personality or someone behind something, it's that much more powerful, you know, um, without more of that ego kind of centric kind of point of view. So if any of the listeners out there like, you know, it's OK to put yourself up front, but just make sure you have the responsibility to to handle that, too. You know, yeah, I think that's such a good point. And that's one of the reasons why we started Ready Eddie is we wanted to help people purchase from brands who they knew the people behind the brand. Right. And they're like, I like this person. I like what they're trying to do. I like their mission, their goals. Um, and especially in today's day where it's very, everyone's very connected. I feel like it's going to be, you're going to see in the next couple of years that it's going to be a, a priority of consumers that they're only going to purchase from brands who they know, like, and trust and that it has that personal personality, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So what you guys are doing is a great thing, um, you know, and it's, it's, it's awesome. I used to have a blog. I used to be. I'm, I'm sometimes way too transparent, you know, which <laughs> works for and against us. But you know, I just love people when they really feel it, you know. And and we appreciate anyone that's ever supported us. And I, I do the same thing, man. I, I when I go out there, I, dude, I, I love hearing people's stories and and what they have because I, I know they're going through all of the same shit we did. You know? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, of course. Well. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time, Mike, to share your story um, and just getting to know you on a more personal level. I, I think um, I think you guys are going to do really great things in the future. Cool. Thanks. We'll talk soon. We'll do. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Eddie Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.